It's time for the Raging Cajun Army, the only place where it's all Cajuns all the time. And now, here's your host, Matt Miguez. gentlemen welcome into yet another edition of the raging cajun army i'm your host matt miguez and thursday night was a big one for the louisiana raging cajuns football team as they dominated the coastal carolina chanticleers by a final score of 48 to 7 it was also a pretty good week for the men's basketball program going 2 and 0 to open the season it was an historic event for the soccer team there was a good weekend for the women's basketball team as well as the volleyball team. We'll talk about all of that here in this upcoming episode. And here to do it with me is Mr. Jerry A. Bear. Jerry, what's going on, man? Oh, not too much. Not too much. Another great week for Cajun Athletics. And, uh, man, football. Wow. Complete game the other night against Coastal. Looking forward to hopefully another complete game in Mobile this weekend. One which I and the missus will be attending, by the way. Yeah, be a yeah. Lot of fun. Big, big trip down to Mobile. And, you know, you talk about a complete game Thursday. The Cajuns couldn't have been much better. No. no. I mean, from, from in, in all in all aspects, the Cajuns really didn't do much wrong. Um, like I said, final score 48-7. to And the way that this game went down was, you know, pretty simple. First quarter, three minutes into the game, actually almost four minutes into the game, it was an eight-play, 66-yard drive. Levi Lewis punches it in from six yards out. You know, that was that nice zone read where he kept it himself up the middle. And then eight minutes later, Trey Regis punched it in from a yard out on a nine-play, 80-yard drive. It was 14 to nothing at the end of the first quarter. So, you know, right then and there, pretty much all, all Louisiana in the first quarter, I want to say by the... In, in the quarter stats, I want to say that Louisiana had nearly 100 yards passing in the first half. I mean, in the first quarter. I'm going to have to double-check that here in a second. In the second quarter, halfway through the quarter, 12-play, 80-yard drive, Levi Lewis finds Neil Johnson Jr. for his first career touchdown as a Cajun. And then right at the end of the quarter, Stevie Arteague nailed a 21-yard field goal to make it 24-0 at the half. So, again, as we as we touched on a second ago, Jerry, it was total domination by the Cajuns in the first half. What did you like? What did you think the Cajuns could have done slightly better? What, what were your thoughts on the first half? Well, I think the first drive, they the, in particular their first drive, which turned into a touchdown, of course, I was very impressed with the fact that they were able to kind of get back in, or just really get in their rhythm because the first, I mean, really the last three games, um, the Cajuns have not led, really have not scored on their first drive. I mean, from App State, three and out. Um, I believe it was uh, Arkansas State, three and out. Texas State, I don't think it was a three and out, but they couldn't score right off the bat. 
So that was one of the things that worried me going into this game, especially with the fact that Coastal had just gotten a big win the week before. You didn't want that Coastal offense to get going. Well, the Cajuns countered with it by scoring first on their first drive. And I think what really stood out to me was the fact that when Coastal got the ball, even though they were able to sustain a drive, the Cajun defense, once again, under the great leadership of Coach Ron Roberts, they they just didn't let them finish. Uh, I believe the first few drives in the first half that Coastal had the ball, they would move the ball down the field, but they just could not finish, could not get on the scoreboard. And so when you're able to do that, you frustrate that offense, plus you get the ball back. And the way the Cajuns responded with that was another touchdown. So yeah. before you know it, you're on the road, you're up 14 nothing. The offense is pretty much doing what they want to do. And so what made it special to me was you know, we say they played a complete game. I thought in the first half the Cajuns played a complete half on all three phases. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And, you know, looking at the team stats, Louisiana compiled 30 first downs in the game on Thursday night. They had 225 yards on the ground. And I don't know if you're ready for this. First time, I think this has happened this year. They had more passing yards than rushing yards. Well, that's good. We finished with 339 passing yards on the day. With three touchdowns, a total 30 for 37. Obviously, you know, that was with Jave Mangale getting into the game as well. Big big minutes for him. And we never punted the ball. We didn't, didn't we? We never punted the football. Huh. Wow. Which is, you know, an accomplishment in itself. So now we go to the third quarter. You know, Cajun's up 24-0. And again, they kind of start with that same mentality that they had in the previous two quarters, score early, score often. Jalen Williams gets a 10-yard pass from Levi Lewis. That was actually his first touchdown as a Cajun. Very nice. And then eight minutes later, Jamarcus Bradley joins the party. 10-yard pass from Levi Lewis again. Makes it 38 to nothing. And then right at the end of the quarter, the very first play that he was on the field, Chris Smith Jr. said, See you later. Man, that burst of speed right up the gap, that that gives me a lot of hope. I know uh, Raymond Calais is playing his senior season, and there's a lot of question marks. You know, who's going to complement that speed back next season, right? Because, I mean, that's, that's Ray Ray's strength is his speed. And in comes Chris Smith Jr. A freshman, might I add. Right. Um, to complement that. So that's really, I mean, that's, that's very... I mean, I feel very optimistic. Uh, we were joking about the whole run TMC. Well, you can change that from Kale to Chris next season with that speedster uh, coming back. Again, he's a freshman this year. He's actually made a huge impact with the rushing attack because now it goes to show you, even with even with TJ Wisham, you can, mm-hmm. you can rotate these guys. You don't have to just depend on those three running backs. And again, for a defense to prepare for that, very difficult to do. So... Um, that run by Chris Smith, not only was it just amazing in the fact that he just like literally flew to the end zone, but also it gives me a lot of hope for the future because now we know we have a speedster who's up and coming to take uh, Ray Ray's place once he graduates. Yeah, absolutely. So 45 nothing at the end of the third. Stevie Arteague will get his second field goal of the night in the fourth quarter to make it 48-0. Obviously, Coastal got that touchdown late in the quarter in garbage time. Final score from Conway, South Carolina, 48-7 in favor of Louisiana. Now, some post-game notes. The victory was Louisiana's first over Coastal Carolina in school history. With the win, Louisiana is now 4-0 in road games. 
The 41-point margin was the highest against a Sunbelt opponent in program history. Louisiana scored three rushing touchdowns on Thursday night, bringing its total, its season total to 32. The Raging Cajuns held the shot clear scoreless in the first half, the first time it has held a team scoreless in the first in the opening half of this season, and the third time it has held a team scoreless in any half of this season. And 14 different receivers caught a pass in the victory. <laughs> That's awesome. Also, individual player, Levi Lewis, he finished the game 26 of 30 for 296 yards and three touchdowns. Completion total, total yards, and touchdowns are all career highs for the junior quarterback. His 86.7% completion percentage is now a new school record. Previous record was 86.3, set by Andre Nunez against Grambling last season. Neil Johnson hauled in his first career touchdown pass, as we said. Jalen Williams, his first career touchdown pass. Joe Dillon. His lone sack in the game was the 16th of his career, pulling him within half of the school's top five in that category. And Stevie Arteague, after making six PATs and two field goals, he is now fifth in scoring in program history and the highest scoring kicker with 258 career points. Well done, Stevie. Way to bounce back, by the way. Yeah, absolutely. You know, he, he struggled early on in the year, but he's he's bounced back in a big way for Louisiana. And, you know, now... The Cajuns are 7-2. and two. There's three games left in the year. And the next one that we're going to talk about is obviously, you know, the next one on the schedule. We're going to take it one game at a time, right? Louisiana and South Alabama. Now, Jerry, I'll let you I'll let you kickstart this party. What do, what do you see from South Alabama, if anything at all? I've watched a few of their games just to kind of see what they're all about. Um, and they just... I hate to say it like this. You're just not a good football team. Um, they, I watched them against Georgia Southern. And it looks like they were able – I mean, they struggled, man. They struggled to move the ball. They really – a lot of their scoring plays that I've watched them um, pull off are big plays. It's They, they don't really – I haven't really seen them sustain many drives uh, as far as marching down the field, 10 plays, 15 plays, kind of like the Cajuns have done where they're able to get you six, seven yards per play. Um, at least against Georgia Southern when I watched it. But I find that they're, uh, they're just struggling. They're really struggling. I had the chance to go to their message board last night. You know, I like to do that before the Cajuns take on um, their opponent just to kind of see what the vibe is in their fan base. And I'll be honest with you, Matt, their fans are very, they're very, very pessimistic right now. And I don't say that in a mean way. They just, it's, it's at that point, they're just kind of like, we're on our way to 1-11. Um, you know, I know uh, Steve Campbell is his second year there. He had a lot of success at uh, Central Arkansas for quite a while, but you know, it, it's it's a different it's a different style of football at this level. And I think he's he's having you know he's been there he's been in the coaching industry for a while, but I think that job at South Al is a little bit more difficult than than people think. Um, you know, they really haven't had a season yet, even though they've only been in you know they've only had a football program for what a decade now. They really haven't had a breakout season that you can just say, "Man, this team is for real." Um, I just think this year it's been a it's been a rough season overall. Um, you know, they the the really the, the the closest game or the toughest game they gave um, their opponents two of them the overtime loss to Georgia Southern and they played Nebraska to fourteen in the first game of the season. Every other game has been a blowout. They've struggled against just about any everybody that they've played outside of that, and of course their win against Jackson State. But we're really not gonna, you know, right? We're not gonna. But um, 
they just they've struggled in conference. And I take that back. They they played a close game against Texas State the other day. I think they lost thirty to twenty eight. And they had that three overtime game against Georgia State. That one too. Yeah. So yeah, yeah, I mean that's they've that's they've true. hung in some games, but you it's know, just and, not and it's just not coming together for them. You know, sometimes teams get breaks. They just all the breaks have gone against them um, this year, and you just I kind of feel for them. Um, I look. Th- there's a lot of optimism on the horizon with that program. They are building a new campus, on-campus football stadium, I believe. Yeah, and it's going to be. It's going to be really nice. It's exactly what they need um, because the stadium they play in now, it's it's Lad Peebles. It's a city park stadium. It's, yeah, like, it's it, not in it's the best a little, neighborhood. It's a little rundown. Yeah, it's it's an older stadium, and you really can't recruit to that. Right. You. It's hard to recruit to that. I mean, look, UAB dropped their football program for a few years playing at Legion Field. Tulane almost dropped their football program about 15 years ago playing in the Superdome. You're starting to see a lot more schools get out of the city stadium setting and try to raise money to build their own stadium because you can't recruit to that. It's like even Georgia State, even though they don't play in the Georgia Dome anymore, the school purchased Old Turner Field and turned it into a football stadium because it brings sort of that – there's a sense of pride and it brings that camaraderie within your fan base to call something – your own, yeah, and they and they did a good job with it. They I, did. I was I was interested interested to see how well that would work, but it actually seems to be working out pretty well in in Atlanta. And you know, I'm looking here at the stats for South Alabama on the year. It looks like that their starting quarterback is going to be Cephas Johnson. Gotcha. Oh, by the way, you were talking about that triple overtime to Georgia State. I think that was Texas State you were talking about. No, no. No, Georgia Southern. I'm oh, I thought you said Georgia. Okay, no, the overtime Georgia loss. Southern. You're right, the yeah. Georgia Southern. I thought you the, meant uh, the triple overtime game against Georgia, Georgia State. Yeah, I was, did, but I meant I meant Georgia Southern. It was a close game. They could have won it. They actually had a chance to kick a field goal and missed in overtime right. to lose. So um, they just <laughs> – this is – look, we've been on that side before many times where we just – I can't tell you the number of games and the number of seasons the Cajuns could have had a winning record. Yeah, and things just couldn't go their way, and it turned into a four and eight record or a three and nine record. And sometimes you get that, but luckily, finally, finally, the Cajuns have the good, good, you know, good karma going their way so far. Right. Um, And I expect that to continue this weekend. You know, real quickly, um, as Cajun fans, we all know that it's very difficult to win on the road uh, in football, especially Mm -hmm. with our tradition or not tradition, but our history of not playing well on the road. This season, not only are we 4-0 on the road, our margin of victory, 22.7 points. So basically 22 or 23 point margin of victory against yeah. teams on the road. So That's not, not, not only are we winning on the road, we're dominating on the road. That's correct. Uh, so to, going back to the, the stats on Cephas Johnson, the sophomore quarterback for South Alabama, he's actually from Mobile. So he's playing for his hometown school. Um, on the year, he is 83 of 161 which is a completion percentage of 51.6, 900 yards, five touchdowns, seven interceptions. So, obviously, looking at the stats, I mean, I don't, I don't know what to say. Um, this just isn't a very good football team. No. No, they, they don't really have much of an identity. Uh, they do. I think they run. They still they kind of run out the pistol, kind of like the Cajuns do sometimes. The difference is that uh, the pistol that the Cajuns run, let's just say it's a little more effective. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> not to be mean. I, no, I, it, it's they just, just it's just what it is. It's not the same. I mean, yeah, there's there's it's, it's no there's there's no ill will in in what we're saying. It's just 
the truth of the matter is that they're just not a good football team. I mean, I'll look. I'll just a quick, just a quick rundown of their game against Texas State. Now, granted, these two teams were breathing or dying for wins, um, but South Al had a pretty equal um, ratio of passing or rushing. They had a 164 yards passing, uh, 184 yards rushing. Uh, their time of possession, both teams, 30 minutes each on the spot. Um, their touchdowns, I mean, like I said, they, I really haven't stayed. They've A lot of their touchdowns have been big plays. Um, I want to say against uh, Texas State, they've really, I mean, most of their touchdowns have, were, were not big plays. It was They were able to sustain drives. But again, the way they're playing right now, and the way the Cajun defense is playing right now, I don't want to be a homer when I say this. I I don't see I don't see South Al scoring in the double digits unless it's well, no, they're bar- they're barely averaging sixteen points a game. I don't I don't see it. I, I just don't see it. I think this is going to be an easy win for the Cajuns. I think it's they're they're going to win going away. I mean, it's really and again, even their fans, like I said, on their message board are basically discussing how many points are we going to lose by. Yeah, it's a shame, but. Yeah, it is and what it is. you know they they've got a talented running back in Trey Minter, but you know the the running back position is kind of the hardest position to be the most talented guy on the team. Yeah, because you can't do it by yourself. He's not a bad player. No, I've actually, he's not. I've watched he's got him. Seven, he, he is pretty good. He's got seven hundred and forty five yards on the season, only three touchdowns, but you know he's efficient. He averages about six yards a carry. Mm-hmm. Um, so I mean, you can't ask for you know much better than that for from your from your um, from your bell cow. Sure. Um, it's just you know when you don't have a solid offensive line to open holes for you, if you don't have a good quarterback that can get it to you. I mean, just things like especially with the style that he plays, he's also a receiving back. Mm-hmm. So I mean, if you can't develop that chemistry with a quarterback, they've played three different quarterbacks this season. Yeah, and that's not so. Yeah. If you can't develop that chemistry, I mean, even even as a good running back, you're going to struggle. Even their their main receiver, uh, Kawan Baker, twenty six receptions, four hundred thirty five yards, only three touchdowns, average right. receiving yards sixteen point seven. Um, yeah, I mean, I just, I mean, I, I don't know. I, 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 they're averaging sixteen points a game while giving up thirty. Uh, they get about 300 yards of total offense while giving up on average of about 410. So, I mean, this this is a team that, you know, again, like you said, Steve Campbell's in his second year. I think they're still trying to put the pieces together. But this year, obviously, you know, just not the year for, for South Alabama. Well, look, we've – I can't tell you the number of times we've been on that side. Oh, absolutely. Oh, my gosh. I think, I think, I, I think in, a, in a conference like – Most the, of my childhood in, was, in was on that side. <laughs> in a conference like the Sun Belt, I think every team has been there. I think so. I think everybody in the Sun Belt Conference has been there. Yeah, yeah. Um, I, I mean, I, I mean, mean let, let, let's be honest, as dominant as they are, at one time, I'm, I mean, I don't know for certain, but I'm sure at one time, South, I mean, Appalachia State was there. Well, when App State first came to the conference, I believe they went seven and five. Right. Which to them, that's not good. Yeah, that's unacceptable. That's bad. And um, even Georgia Southern two years ago, two and ten. Right. I mean, you know, you're gonna have those seasons every now and then. And then the next year, they turned around with a ten win year last year. But that's the question. A lot of teams who have gone through that have found their way to get out of it. So yep. can South Alabama get out of it? Look, look where their location is. They're. I've said this. I said this ten years ago. They're right on the I-10 corridor. 
They, they're surrounded by the Florida Panhandle. They're surrounded by uh, the state of Mississippi, Alabama, and Louisiana, and Georgia. They've got places to where they can recruit good athletes. Yeah. Um, and like, like we mentioned earlier, the new stadium, I think that's going to go a long way. That's into... going to be huge. And so I think as long as Coach Campbell just continues to do what he's doing, try to rebuild the program and start recruiting some athletes with that and use that new stadium. Yep. Look, Mobile is a great place to live. I, look, my wife has family down there. It's, it's very similar to Lafayette. You're 45 minutes away from the beach. You're right on I-10. You're two hours away from New Orleans. You're an hour away from the coast, the the golf, the Biloxi and Gulf Port, the Mississippi Gulf Coast. You're two hours away from Destin, Florida, right? So you've got a lot of cool places in that area. You've got a lot of destination spots in that area. There's no reason why they shouldn't recruit to that school. And no, no reason absolutely. why they can't. Um, I think, like I said, it's going to take time. But we've been there. We've seen that on our end. We've <laughs> we've been on that side for many years. I mean, that was most of my childhood was was watching UL football teams go one in ten and two and ten or one in eleven or whatever. And, and maybe so, three and nine if you're lucky. Maybe three and nine. So it's it's nice to be on the other end. I mean, think about it. The Cajuns are a twenty eight point favorite against a conference team on the road. When was the last time? Has it ever happened before? Probably not. I mean, it's that's Probably unbelievable. Um, but you know, it's it's the, the two programs are in different stages. Yeah. Um, no, I just think they're 100% in different agree stages, with that. and I don't think I want to say um, going into this game, South Al has yet to beat the Cajuns. I think the last time they beat them was 2015. So the Cajuns currently have a three a three year win streak on on South Al. So. Um, I'm expecting I'm expecting it to be more uh, more like four years after this Saturday. Uh, and to Cajun fans, if you want to go make the trip down to Mobile, four hour drive, um, right down the road, I ten straight shot. If you want to go make the game and watch the Cajuns, I guarantee you tickets their... are still for sale. <laughs> yeah, um, yeah. Watch the Cajuns get their eighth eighth win of the season. Um, and did you know if the Cajuns win on on Saturday? And go eight and two. It'll be their first. It'll solidify their first winning season since 2014. Yeah, yeah, it will. Um, How about that? So I'm looking. The Cajuns are on a three-year win streak, 2016 to 2018. Uh, the Cajuns' largest margin of victory against South Al came in 2012, as they defeated the Jaguars 52 to 30. Louisiana is. They've won five of seven mm. against South Alabama for a winning percentage of 71.4 against the Jaguars. South Alabama's largest margin of victory was in 2013 as they took down UL 30-8. to I was there. It was in Mobile. It was freezing cold. I, remember, I think I remember that game. It was cold. So according, <laughs> according to the ESPN matchup predictor, which is based on the Football Power Index, which Louisiana came in at number 39, this morning. Very nice. And hot, wait, 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 real quickly. Coaches poll. We got a vote. We got a vote. We got a vote. Yay, all right. We got a vote. Look, that is, that's huge. Ah, absolutely. Remember being absolutely. in the bottom 10, like, oh, I don't know, just a few yeah. years ago? hanging out at 127, just yeah. like, chilling. Now we're like in the top 40, yeah. and we're getting votes. 
Yeah. One vote is is good enough for me. It's a vote. Hey, we're, and that, you get that means, noticed. That means we're talking. That, that means people are talking about us. Well, they're looking at our name, and then when people read the top twenty-five polls mm-hmm. and others receiving votes, our names on there. Yep. That's pretty cool. So according to the Metro Predictor, the Cajuns have a ninety-six percent chance of victory. Hmm. We'll let that sink in for a second. Yeah, I think it's safe to say that uh, we'll be we'll be fine. I'm I'm gonna let that sink. The only I think the only time that I have seen one higher is last year when we played Alabama. Mm. Alabama had a 99.9 percent <laughs> chance of victory. But I remember waking up that morning and looking at the matchup predictor, and it's saying Louisiana 0.1 percent. So and you know what I said? There's a, there's a chance. That's right. Kickoff is at 4 p.m. from Mobile. Game will be on ESPN Plus if you don't make the trip. I strongly encourage you do make the trip. Again, like Jerry said, you know, four hours straight shot on I-10. And with it being a 4 o'clock kickoff, you don't even really need a hotel room. Well, I, what we're doing, and this is just for anybody who wishes to go, if you're listening and you want to make the trip, uh, we're actually staying on the coast in Biloxi. We're staying at, we're going to the Beau Rivage, but there's many other casinos down there, whether it's the Hard Rock, Harris, Golden Nugget, IP, Palace. If you want to go do some gambling or you just kind of want to go where people are right. and you want to kind of have some, you know, uh, go see some pretty lights, right? Yep. <laughs> Those casinos. Um, you, you could stay in Biloxi. And it's, I've, we did it in 2013 and we had a blast because you stay in Biloxi, you drive, I-10, 40 minutes straight shot right off the interstate to the stadium. Yep. 40 minutes there, 40 minutes back. Easy, easy, easy. And um, we had a lot of fun. And actually, we ran into a few Cajun fans last time who were, who thought the thought the same thing and stayed in Biloxi. Um, we, we had a few down there. And uh, we actually had a good crowd, a good Cajun uh, crowd. So I'm hoping that we'll see some, some, some vermilion in the stands uh, come Saturday. But bundle up. It's supposed to be kind of cold. It's going to um, be a chilly one. I know the next few days here, it's going to be a... Uh, <laughs> yeah, I think uh, the North Pole... Um, the North Pole, the, the North Pole's coming was to, blowing, to South was Louisiana. blowing some wind down here to South Louisiana. So for all of you, whether you're um, you're going out or you're going to the game on Saturday, bundle up. Bundle yeah. up and, and drink some drink some orange juice, get some vitamin C, take your vitamins, and get that immune system up because it's going to be chilly. Yep, Saturday, 4 o'clock on ESPN+. Plus. The Cajuns and the Jaguars. You can also listen on ESPN fourteen twenty with Jay Walker, Chris Lano, and Cody Juno. We're going to take a break and have the two minute drill. Jerry and I will bring you the two minute drill, and we'll talk about women's basketball, soccer, and volleyball. And then we'll come back from the break, and we will discuss the last two games for the men's basketball team right here on the Raging Cajun Army. Cajun Nation, this is Matt Miguez, and this is your two-minute drill for November 12th, 2019. The women's soccer program won their first-ever Sunbelt tournament game last week, 3-0 over Troy, before losing a heartbreaker in the semis over Ar- with Arkansas State, 1-0 on Friday. Congrats to Lance Key and the women's soccer program for really starting the rebuild of Cajun soccer. Sophomore center back Gwen Mummert from Germany was named to the all-tournament team. First time in school history that a Cajuns player was named to the tournament team. She was also named first team all-sun belt. Women's basketball defeated Loyola of New Orleans 67-51 last week before falling to Sam Houston on Sunday 77-73. Ladies come home on Thursday for staff appreciation night against McNeese. Tape-off is at 6 p.m. 
volleyball, big wins over Texas State and two matches over ULM. The Lady Cajuns are now on a three-game winning streak. They head to Jonesboro this weekend, Friday night against Arkansas State, and they'll be in Little Rock Saturday before going to San Marcos for the Sunbelt Tournament next weekend. And next Saturday, November 23rd, is Louisiana Salutes and the Blackout Game for Football against Troy. You can get your tickets now by contacting the ticket office at 337-265-2170. Kickoff for that game against Troy on the 23rd is set for 4 p.m. from Cajun Field. And that'll do it for this week's edition of the 2-Minute Drill. You can tune in on SoundCloud. You can subscribe on Apple Podcast. You can follow us on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram at Raging Cajun Army. You can email me, RagingCajunArmy at gmail.com with questions, comments, and concerns. Stay tuned for a big announcement from RCA. And don't forget about the men's basketball game against TCU tonight at 7 on Fox Sports Southwest. And we're back here on the Raging Cajun Army, Matt and Jerry. Now we're going to get into the basketball games from the last, from this past week. The men's team started off two and zero, like we just mentioned in the break. The women's team finished the week one and one. But you know, I really want to spend time on the men. Obviously, the first game was against Loyola of New Orleans Tuesday night at the Cajun Dome, and the Cajuns took down the Wolfpack ninety-five to sixty-seven. And you know there there weren't many surprises. I kind of I kind of figured that this was the type of game that we were gonna see. And you know Jalen Johnson was was a big storyline coming into the season. How was he gonna produce the the transfer from St. Louis University University originally from Baton Rouge? He had a productive outing: twenty two points, nine rebounds, one block. He was seven of twelve from the field, five of six from the free throw line. Dugay, obviously he was the he was the transfer from Senegal and Daytona State College. He produced with fifteen and nine. Kobe Julian fifteen and six. Cedric Russell eleven points, four rebounds. He had two assists, turned the ball over three times, was three of five from the three point line. But you know, to me, and I was at the game Tuesday night. To me, the biggest takeaway was Malik Wilson, the freshman from Ravel. He was incredible. 11 points, 4 rebounds, 4 assists, 4 steals, 1 block. Yes, he turned the ball over 5 times. But in the style, in the play style that he plays, let's just face the facts, it's going to be hard to not turn the ball over 3 or 4 times a game. No, and I think when you have guys like Cedric Russell, Malik Wilson, as well as even got you know what impressed me, and I know it's he's kind of young. He he came off the bench in the second half, and uh, I, I he didn't play long. But how about Chris uh, Spin? What, hey, Spinku. Spinku. Yeah. The, Where did the, he come from? The Energizer Bunny. Where did he come from? He's a freshman. He he. I mean that's. He's a freshman. Look, I know this team's gonna have some growing pains. He's from Hugh Pembroke Pines, Florida. Okay. When you have that type of youth, you're going to struggle a little bit. You're going to have some growing pains. But when you can come off the bench and make make some make some or make your presence known like him, he did. It's it's fun to watch because you get to see these young guys develop. Um, but like I said before, between Kobe Julian, Cedric Russell, Malik Wilson, um, I just find 
that these guys are first of all they're they're actually pretty quick up the court. Yeah. Their transition has been pretty impressive. Even Jalen Johnson, I think the the hardest part about the Cajun offense is playing half court, right? I I think they're can they play the yeah, half? Yeah, they court like they like to get out and run. They like to get out and run. They're really good with the fast break. If a team slows it down against them, what's it going to look like, right? And I noticed they had some trouble. They had some trouble in the first half whenever Loyola would slow it down, but for the most part uh, in transition, I mean, I thought in both games they looked great. I mean, even during the Magnese game when they were making that run against Magnese, a lot of it was a lot of it was a transitional game. Um, I'm kind of I think this team is a work in progress, and of course between Trajan Wesley and and Lowry going down, yeah. I mean, look, we already knew that this team was going to be young coming in. We knew but this now... team was going to have to develop as time went on. We knew this team would probably. Hate to see it, but might have drop a few, might drop a few games because of youth. Now, uh, I don't know. This is this could not have come at a worse time. worse time. Yep, no, absolutely. Interesting fact about Chris Benku. I don't know how he's related to the country of Germany. I'm gonna have to look into that. But as a freshman in high school, he played for the 16 and under German national team. Ah, okay, interesting. I don't know where his relation with Germany lies. Hmm. Um, I know. I know that there's military um, parents, maybe, or possibly. I know that there's some. You know, if you're born there, you're allowed to play for their national sure. team. I know Kyrie Irving has been seen playing for the Australian national team before. Uh-huh. Um, so you know, there's 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 ways around. You know, the citizenship idea. Uh, speaking of Spinku, six points, seven rebounds. He had one assist. So, you know, productive outing off, off the bench in 14 minutes. How about Calvin Temple? Yeah. In eight minutes, the true freshman transfer played, had four points, two rebounds, one assist, three steals. He was one of one. I'm sorry. He was two of five from the field. And three hours before tip-off was when he was finally ruled eligible by the NCAA. <laughs> Oh, man. Well, they're going to need him as much as possible yeah. man, because this bench is depleted. Very, very depleted, especially now with the missing of both Trajan Wesley and Javon Lowry. And, you know, talking about both of them in this game against Loyola, Wesley had 13 minutes of playing time, two points, one rebound, one assist, one steal. He was one of two from the field. Javon Lowry, seven points, one rebound, one assist, one block. He was three of eight from the field in 19 minutes of action. So, you know, nothing really, you know, eye-catching from from that first game for the Cajuns. They got enough to get it done. Obviously, you know, an NAIA opponent like Loyola, that comes to be expected. Sure. Uh, so, you know, and you, hear, you heard uh, Coach Marlin after the game talk about Zach Reitzel. He has been playing for Loyola since he was a freshman. I can remember last year when UL played Loyola, he dominated the Cajuns. He had 27 points and I think 13 rebounds. Wow. Had a had a heck of a game. Tuesday night against the Cajuns, this time around, he had nine points and only six rebounds. I remember Bob Marlin saying in the post-game press conference that he was actually slightly disappointed mm-hmm. in the performance of Zach Reitzel because he knew that he was a better player than that. Right. So, you know, he, he expected better out of his opposition. But then you transition into Saturday with the game against McNeese. And, you know, that's always a a fun game because the 
the older generation of of Cajun fans absolutely hate the Cowboys. It's McNeese, man. Come on. Absolutely hate the Cowboys. Okay. And, and you know, interesting. You remember a name, Roy Dell Brown? I do. He plays for McNeese. He actually he plays had, for uh, McNeese now. He had a presence on the court the other night. He had 11 points, 10 rebounds, two, one assist, one block. Played 36 minutes. 36 minutes. Wow. He was 3 of 8 from the field, 5 of 7 from the free throw line. Good to see him on a on a roster. Good to see him contributing. Um, you know, very unfortunate that he couldn't it couldn't work out with the Cajuns because I enjoyed watching him on the floor. Yeah, and I find that this uh, the game against McNeese, Cajuns got off to a rough start. Uh, McNeese went on a little bit of a run early on, but well done. Well done to make the comeback, especially before half, mm-hmm. bringing the game within one, and then going on a run to start the second half and holding on to the lead. Now, granted, towards the end, you know, it looked like McNeese was fighting back, and that might have had a little bit to do with the fatigue for the Cajuns. I mean, you have eight guys on the bench. Fatigue kicks in a little bit quicker, right? That impact uh, tends to affect you a little bit more when you have less players that you're rotating and more players rotating in and out. Um, well, I'll take that back. Less players on the bench, more rotations because of it. Um, you know, but I thought that uh, the Cajuns were able to, it was nice to pull off the win. Um, I'm kind of curious to see moving forward, though, against TCU, Wyoming, um, UC Irvine, Young those Town teams, State. Uh, Youngstown State on Friday night. I'm curious to see what they're going to do with this bench because when, you, when you're when you that depleted, that's where it kind of, yeah. that's where I'm going to get a little concerned. Um, but I do like the fight. I like the way they fought back the other night against McNeese. Um, because of the circumstances. They did a fantastic job closing it out and getting the win. And look, the Cajuns are 2-0. and You know, got a tough game on the road in Fort Worth against a good TCU squad that they've made the, tur- uh, that they've made the tournament. They've had the history of beating teams like Kansas. You know, Big 12 school. Now, you know... We're going to find out what kind of team we have tomorrow night. One one thing I want to commend the Cajuns on is how, how well they took care of the basketball Saturday compared to the previous game mm-hmm. against Loyola. They had 22 turnovers against McNeese. They only had 10. And so, you know, picked that up dramatically. Cedric Russell really came into his own Saturday night. He hit five three-pointers for a total of 22 points, had five rebounds and four assists as well. Jalen Johnson, who, by the way... Never stepped foot off the court. 21 points, 7 rebounds, 5 blocks, 3 steals. He was 6 of 17 from the field. Malik Wilson, another player, never stepped foot off the court. 6 points, 6 rebounds, 5 assists, 2 blocks, 2 steals. He was 3 of 9. The Cajuns, you know, shooting-wise, really struggled in the first half. They only shot 35% in the first half. They struggled. Yeah, definitely. definitely. Uh, 60% from the free throw line. Second half, a little bit better. Still not great. They were at even 50 for the second half, as well as 80% from the free throw line. Totals for the game, the Cajuns were 42.9% from the field, 38.5% from the three-point line, and 75% from the free throw line. You know, we talk about fast break points. The Cajuns had 18 of them against McNeese. 10 points off the bench, 21 points off of turnovers, and 34 points in the paint for Louisiana. For McNeese, 16 second chance points, 14 on the fast break, 22 off the bench, 7 off of turnovers, and 32 in the paint. So, like like we said, the Cajuns are 2-0, but they have a very, very depleted bench. 
Obviously, you know, your starters are Cedric Russell, Jalen Johnson, Kobe Julian, Duguay, and Malik Wilson, especially now with the injury to, to Trajan Wesley. And then on the bench, you have Calvin Temple, you have Christian Lafayette, you have Chris Spinku, and now you're going to, for tomorrow night's game against TCU, you're going to get back Mason Okwe. That should help somewhat, I would think. It would help It would help a little bit. Oakland brings in some size. He's 6'4", right at 200 pounds. Uh, he's got a good outside shot. He, he can. I, I was going to say that's kind of what I am. I was concerned about going into the season was the inside presence, the size. Yeah. Uh, one thing I noticed against Loyola was that in the first half. Now, granted, luckily the Cajuns were able to adjust in the second half to this, but Loyola were they were getting a lot of second chance baskets on the inside uh, in the first half. Yeah. They were scoring a lot. They, you know, they'd miss a layup, and then all of a sudden somebody would come right back and just drive down the lane. That's it. That's a little scary. That's a little concerning because you can't do that against TCU. You can't do that against UC Irvine. You know, those are the type of teams you, you, you know, it's gonna, it's gonna, you, you might get exposed a little bit more. Um, and this was before those two injuries occurred. So, I'm curious to see how the Cajuns handle that. I'm curious to see how they respond to um, that inside presence because really, they. They don't. They don't really have the Cajuns. hadn't had a big man in a while outside. Even I mean, would you consider Bryce Washington a big man, or was it just kind he of, was? He was. I would say uh, he was, but just I mean, just because just because of his strength, you know. I mean, down, closest, down low on the block. The closest but to that would be what Christian Lafayette, maybe. Talk, talking about actual size, Dugay, Dugay, Christian Lafayette, okay. uh, but before them, really, Jaquina Gant, maybe. Yeah, but Bryce, Gant, Gant I mean, was a hybrid. He did everything. Sean Long. Oh, definitely Sean Long. I mean, definitely Sean Long. Yeah, the the Cajuns have have had, definitely had a size issue the last couple of years. But I mean, Duguay's six nine. I would say he would be the guy. Him and Christian Lafayette. Lafayette's six ten, six eleven. He's yeah. he's about Sean Long's size. Uh, in my opinion, he's not as good of a player as Sean Long. But you right. know, Sean Long's not a, many players are. I, 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 <laughs> I think I think Sean Long's a, a pretty special kid. Obviously, he's dominating in in Australia right now. But, you know, the the Cajuns looking at this game against TCU, like you said, TCU is a team that, that makes the tournament on a on a regular occasion. They are a they're, a, good. they're a team that hangs well in the Big Twelve with the likes of Kansas and Texas and Texas Tech. They beat Kansas. They've beaten Texas. They've beaten I mean, Texas Tech. <laughs> they're 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 definitely no slouch for sure. Cajuns definitely have their hands full, but you know I, I kind of like these games, Jerry. Even even if it's one that it looks like on paper that we don't really have a big chance of winning, you gotta play because em. no matter what, not only do you have to play them with a school of this size, these types of games really expose you. Well, they prepare you too. Um, they led these. These are the games that you can go back on film, and when you're done watching the film, you look at it and say. That's where we need to get better. Agreed. So when conference comes, when the games that really matter, you know what needs to be fixed before that time comes. Absolutely. So granted, I, I don't want to call this, you know, a, a guaranteed loss because no game is. There's a reason you play. But you know, according to the Basketball Power Index, the Cajuns only have about a ten percent chance of winning. Mm-hmm. So you know, it's, it's definitely not going to be easy for the Cajuns. But this is one of those games that you, like I said, you look back on the film and say. Look, at least now we know where our strengths are, where our weaknesses are, and where we can get better. 
Yeah, and I think also, too, um, once you get past this game, you have a, a good home game against Youngtown, yep. Youngstown State, a team that, you know, people know who the Youngstown State right. is. I've been Look, I've been complaining about the home schedule. I thought the home schedule was a little too easy. It was the same teams over and over. But coming in, you know, bringing, bringing Youngstown State to town, that's that's a nice little matchup. And yep. I think that'll be a good test for this team, especially this young team, right? Um, but after that, you go on the road, you go face Wyoming, you go to Vegas. Who else you face? You face, uh, you, you face Wyoming in the first round of the MGM main event, and then you go to Vegas to play Detroit Mercy Detroit and Mercy, UC, Irvine UC Irvine in the next two games of the main event. I, I be, I'll be honest with you. I kind of like, like this schedule because it is challenging. I would yeah. rather this and, – and look, I know this team is young. I know – look, they have injuries. And there might be a few games that they might get exposed more than others. But what better way to play a schedule that challenges you to where yeah. you can prepare for conference? And then – And prepare you when you start facing your, your own teams that you're familiar with. That's where you can have a chance to, to – and especially if you get some guys back by then, right. you get a chance to really – um, make some noise. And then, and, you know, after that UC Irvine game, the Cajuns get a week off, and then they come home to play a good in-state foe in Southeastern. Yeah. Uh, you know, Southeastern's had a good team the last couple of years. And then they go on the road again to Tempe, Arizona, Arizona to play State. Arizona State. That's going to be know, a tough they've, one. They've been a, they've been a good team the last couple of years. That'll be a good challenge for the Cajuns. Then, obviously, you go up to Ruston, play a tough Louisiana Tech team. And then you kick off some belt play. You go to Arkansas State, and then on December 21st, you come home to play Little Rock. I don't want to look too far ahead, but if football aligns the way we're hoping that it will, there might not be that many people at that basketball game on December 21st. They'll kick. They'll they'll kick it. Um, let's see. I think they kick it off at eight o'clock or seven o'clock. I'm not. The sure New Orleans Bulls at eight. Eight o'clock. Eight o'clock. They'll probably tip off in the afternoon. I'd say they would probably try to. And I think that's. Let's see. It's to be announced. Yeah, they would probably. They probably have it to be announced for that because reason. Because of that, correct? Yeah. Um. Now, could could that be an eleven o'clock game? Because I mean, think about it. If 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 you want people to make be able to make both. We played at noon. Played at noon. Game ends at two. Yeah. You got time. Yeah. Yeah. I, I could I could see that being a being a matinee of sorts. Um, you know, I don't want to look too far ahead in the schedule, but the the Cajuns have a stretch coming up leading into conference that can like like we said, can really determine who they are as a team and, and where this team's trying to go. Uh you have a prediction for the basketball game tomorrow night? Uh really I don't because I really don't know what to expect. Um I hate to be negative when I say this. Uh it's an eighteen point spread. Cajuns are pretty depleted on the bench. I'm probably going to say, I'm going to have to give this one to TCU. I'm going to say TCU. I'm probably going to say TCU 82, Cajuns 59. Interesting. Um, interesting stat here for TCU. They have gone 33-3 and in the month of November since 2014-2015. Wow. Uh, their head coach, Jamie Dixon, is three victories shy of the 400-win mark, which is the mark that Bob Marlin just eclipsed just last week. You know, talking about talking about predictions for the game tomorrow, again, I think, I think the game is going to be a little closer than that. Um, sadly, I, I don't think this one goes the Cajuns' way either. I think it'll be kind of like an 85-71 type of game. Yeah. You know, I, I think the Cajuns will be able to hang in there for a while, but 
the the lack of depth is really gonna is really gonna bite the Cajuns over the next couple of weeks. Hopefully, uh, Javon Lowry and Trajan Wesley, uh, their injuries aren't as severe as as they may seem. Yeah, um, I know Trajan Wesley was in a walking boot, um, so that that's usually not a good sign. But hopefully, they they can come back healthy pretty quickly, and the Cajuns can get back to their uh, their identity. And and another thing that's going to hurt the Cajuns is obviously you know the suspension of of PJ Hardy. He was going to be a senior leader this year for the Cajuns. We don't know the details. Likely, we probably won't know the details. Um, it'll be interesting to see how long he is held out of competition by Bob Marlin. Jerry, any final thoughts before we wrap this one up? Um, I do want to say, I forgot to mention this for the UL um, South Al game. For those of you going to Mobile, the UL Alumni Association and the I believe the RCAF will be hosting a uh, South Alabama football weekend Friday night social at the Loda Beer Garden, 251 Dauphine Street in Mobile. It'll be held from 6 to 8.30 p.m., free to attend. Please RSVP, uh, as well as on Saturday, Saturday tailgate at Lag People's Stadium, Jag City Spot 8, $15 per person. Come on out. It starts at 1 p.m. till 3.30, of course, 4 o'clock kickoff. So if you are in Mobile, the Alumni Association as well as the RCAF will be having a Friday night social uh, in downtown Mobile as well as a Saturday tailgate. Uh, once again, the Friday night social is free to attend. You must RSVP. Saturday tailgate, $15 per person. So again, if you're in Mobile, you do have some uh, events and some activities going on down there before the 4 o'clock kickoff. Yeah, absolutely. All right, guys, that'll do it for this episode of the Raging Cajun Army. Follow us on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram at Raging Cajun Army. Subscribe on Apple. Subscribe on Apple.